When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to another edition of the Ballast and Skeen Show, the Wolverine.com podcast here at the Wolverine.com. And with me, Doug Skeen, Michigan's five-time Big Ten champion, former NFL standout with the New England Patriots starter, man, uh, for Bill Parcells. What does that tell you about his knowledge of the game and his history? So tells me I'm old. Yeah, you know what? Uh, don't uh, Bill Parcells would probably be pissed off if he heard you say that. So we can't say that. You're not that old yet, buddy. Um, first things first, though, I want to talk to you guys about game time. Uh, you know what? Uh, time that I was stressed out about getting tickets. Uh, I was at the Lions game a couple of weeks ago, as a matter of fact, against Atlanta. And I'm thinking, man, uh, I promised my kid we were going to go and didn't have tickets. Guess what? Went to game time and uh, – they did. Uh, I downloaded the app like they like they told us to, and uh, and found great seats, guaranteed lowest price, and um, it was it was fantastic. Shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. Killer deals on last minute tickets. I found a couple, and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. So um, it was great. Uh, we got great seats. My kid was thrilled. We got to see the Lions, who, by the way, skiing are are fantastic with Aiden Hutchinson in there. There are flash deals and last minute tickets. Easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, uh, and li- includes Lions tickets. Uh, they have images of the seat views, which was huge for me. I knew where we were, we were sitting right there uh, next to the goal line. It was fantastic, and they do have a lowest price guarantee and an event cancellation protection, uh, lost job loss protection rate. So um, game time, last minute, last place for the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning a month in advance. They have deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Uh, and it is the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. So down to, download the game time app. Use code Wolverine. That's Wolverine for $20 off your first purchase. I can promise you I used it. It was quick and easy and it's guaranteed. So all right, Skeen, let's talk about Michigan and Indiana first. Um, I want to talk about the offensive line because, uh, you know, they didn't come. None of these guys came to play, frankly, in the first quarter. It was very clear that they thought they were going to show up and get their chicken sandwiches after running out to a big lead. These, the yardage at one point was 148 to negative 17. Now, if you'd told me that before the game, I'd have said, yeah, that sounds about right. But flip the jerseys. But Indiana came to play. It seemed like Michigan was slow out of the gate. 
That's a, certainly a safe assessment there, Ballas. So the big negative yardage, um, JJ took a sack that we should not have taken. I, I had that one on the quarterback all the way. I don't know if Coach Harbaugh or anybody else has said anything otherwise, but he did. He we, said the we, same thing. Yeah, slid protection to the right, defensive end or all, end of line comes off free. Quarterback's got to see that. And then, and then instead, instead of doing the Cade McNamara, throw the ball in the third row and punt the football, J.J. does probably the one thing that I don't like about his game is that he extends these plays by squiggling around backward, and then we lose 15, 20 yards on the play when it should have just been a mistake, acknowledge, ball gone, we'll do it again next time. And, and you combine that with – I think that the byproduct of this schedule and Michigan has obviously asserted themselves as one of the top teams in the country, which is exciting and wonderful. And all week long, they see the lines are told how much they're going to blow these teams out. And I, and I'm watching this team play and I'm like, these guys clearly aren't ready to go. And I can't have, I can't, I can't jump on these kids that much because it's Indiana. I was there once. We did this before. You, you roll out there and you're like, yeah, you know, look down the other end of the field at the team warming up and it's, yeah, it's Indiana. Come on. And then all of a sudden you got to get going. Well, in a few weeks, this, this schedule is going to change. And I, and I would argue that the intensity is going to change here Saturday night against our next opponent. So Michigan needs to find a way, this coaching staff needs to find a way to get this out of these young men, get this bad habit out of here. You need to practice starting off really strong and fast. You can't sleepwalk your way through the first seven minutes of the first quarter because in other games, that could cost you dearly. Um, fortunately, fortunately, this this team did come alive and executed, and things were all fine. But it still is frustrating to watch because Indiana's running around making plays, and we you know, feel like we're still in the locker room trying to get our heads right. Yeah, no question. Now, I will say this. At Nebraska, at Minnesota, they came out with some fire and brimstone, and they played right off the, from the get-go. Okay, they showed up. And when you've got a home game against Indiana in the rain, when you see Rutgers, it, you know, it's still Rutgers. You can say whatever you want and give them all the, the praise that you want to. It's still Rutgers on the jersey, with all due respect. But so they've answered the bell in, in the bigger games that they've played. There just haven't been any. I don't imagine that's going to be a problem Saturday night at Michigan State, especially with what happened last year. I think that will have their attention for all of the uh, what they're not saying about Michigan State, for example, about last year. And I asked uh, the guys after the game, Roman Wilson said, we're not even thinking about it. We don't care. You know, it's it's move on. Uh, what Jim Harbaugh said today, he didn't even take the question. He said, yep, you know what, we, every week's different, whatever, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, you're going to see different things. So uh, to me, that's the right approach. But I don't think there's any question to you that they are going to, in that locker room, look back at last year and what happened and feel like uh, they owe these guys something for what they did to their teammates. Well, no, there's no question in my mind. If I were on the football team, I'd feel that way. Yeah. Uh, it, but, but I would say back up even further. When they look at their schedule at the beginning of the year and when they stare at the wall every week, they walk in the building. Michigan State's a red-letter game and always has been. So we shouldn't have any lack of emotional enthusiasm to start this football game off here Saturday evening when the when the game starts. So if if I'd, I'd be really surprised if we sleepwalk our way for the first quarter of this one because of what happened a year ago, because it is Michigan State, and because the last time a lot of these guys were up there, they got beat. And so it's a rivalry game. It's an important rivalry game. And Michigan State, as always, will find a way to play their very best in this football game. They will rise up as they always do. And very, very few occasions in the last 30 years, Bowers, I can only think of a couple games where Michigan State just kind of threw up the white flag and 
you know, didn't really put a whole lot of effort into this game. That doesn't happen with Michigan State, and I don't expect it to happen Saturday. No, they're fueled by hatred, especially since Mark D'Antonio got there. And and that's really kind of the reason that the rivalry has gotten even more nasty than it was when you played, when they were pinching like little girls at the bottom of piles, as Tony McGee once said, your great tight end. Um, but it is it it is not a rivalry built on respect. I don't think there's any anything that you can say about that. And that goes way back before I remember sitting there and we've talked about this so many times, Bobby Williams sitting there with me after the 2001 game in which Spartan Bob kind of stole a win from them. And he said, you know, uh, they wouldn't have changed that rule for us about the clock keeper. You know, if that had been us and the roles had been reversed, which I didn't agree with, you know, he asked me where I was from and told him Ann Arbor and he said, shit, you know, and he looked at me like he hated my guts, you know? So uh, that lack of respect goes way back. It was fantastic. It does. I, I hear that as a badge of honor, but um, to me, you still, this is one of those Michigan State teams that I don't think has the athletes to compete. There's no Keon Coleman out there like there was last year when they only scored seven points. There's no Peyton Thorne. They've got a kid at quarterback who, who you know, did okay against Rutgers, but there's not one guy that looks at you and, and you're scared of him to, to think that they could possibly upset you in this game, is there? Well, I, I don't think there's anybody on that team that jumps out, but that has, it hasn't prevented Michigan State from winning these games in the past. And so if you go back and you look at the performance against Indiana, and we went up and we go up and we had that same first quarter performance up there. That will not go well. That'll be gasoline for the Spartans and they're going to get going. And then who knows what happened can happen. But on paper, I think you're right. The Michigan State defensive front versus the Michigan offensive line tight ends. We should win that battle. We should, we should win that battle and then flip the side of the ball, our defensive front versus the Michigan State offensive line, which has struggled to produce results on the ground and protection we should win that battle. And we've said this over the decades, long before you and I started doing this. Should doesn't mean you win anything. You have to execute. So reverse back to the to the Indiana slow start. If you're not taking the proper steps with the right enthusiasm and the right intensity, and you're not thinking clearly out there to start a football game, it doesn't work against Indiana. It won't work against Bowling Green, and it won't work against Michigan State, and it won't work against better teams, Penn State, Ohio State, down the road. So they've got to get out of this, I would say, just slightly bad habit of these lackadaisical first or second possessions, drive down the field and score. Yep. And then play a clean first quarter. So, you know, uh, I'm looking at uh, my my tracker here for the offensive line specifically that I look at. We we allowed two tackles for loss, um, not until the second half. So that's all right because last week we we allowed three, so that actually got better. Uh, we had one play of zero gain, one play with that went for nothing uh, on a running play. Our pressures on the quarterback went up this week. We had five pressures on the quarterback, three hits on the quarterback, and we allowed two sacks, one of them in the third quarter and one of them in the first quarter, and it wasn't the J.J. one. The first play, the first big sack, I didn't put that on the offensive line. That's on the quarterback, as we talked about. So the byproduct of, of you know the age of guys that are playing college football and you look around, you go, we're number two, and everybody says, oh, half America says we should be number one. These young men are reading all this information about themselves, and you roll out there and you play Indiana, and that's what it looks like. Yeah. It's just it just needs to be better and sharper as we get here in the back end of October because it just every game turns into the playoffs at this point. Yeah. You attribute two of the four sacks to the to the quarterback? Uh, no, one, just one. 
Okay, because there were four sacks was, in that game. Well, so, so well, then only then only two of them are to the offensive line. Right, and the right so. tackle uh, had an issue. Uh, the right tackle, in my opinion, needs to step up, and that's kind of been a lingering issue for this team. If there's one thing you can point yeah. to that, and I'm going to go back to your line in 1992, and I'm not going to call them out by name. Uh, you had a weak, weaker link there that hadn't played a whole lot at tackle, and there were some uh, there was some leakage there. And you're thinking, okay, uh, we might have to help out against the Penn State. You know, with a with bring a tight end over there, or maybe bring a, uh, yeah. a back to chip or something like that. But it's happening on both sides, right? Ladarius Henderson, uh, I think, gave up one, and I think uh, Jim Harbaugh mentioned that JJ McCarthy escaped that and threw a touchdown pass anyway to Colston Loveland because that's what he can do. So you talk about the escapability, and I get it. You know, you don't like him running backwards like that, but more often than not, he's not getting caught for that 10, 15-yard loss. So I think Jim Harbaugh is okay with it, probably because he used to do it too. Uh, but number two – Oh, I know. I'm sorry. One of those one of those yes. sacks, Ballas, was a yep. post-three-second post loss. Okay. If you remember uh, – of course, I didn't tell you this year, but you and I have talked about it in the past. Sure. You get three seconds back there as a quarterback. Yep. Ball is snapped, 1,001, 1,002, ball needs to be gone. If you're right. hanging on to it beyond that, that's yep. your fault if yep. you get sacked. You, know, you cannot ask an offensive line to give you more than three. Yeah, and that was, I think, in the third quarter, too, when J.J. McCarthy probably shouldn't have been in the game. But um, but the one on Ladarius Henderson, I think it was, um, when he went to pick up the outside guy and he left the inside guy alone. So he and Donovan Edwards are both blocking the same guy on the edge. Yep. And uh, so JJ has to escape to his credit. He does. And he, and he makes a play because that's what he does. The yep. numbers that, that he has put up in terms of drives that Jim Harbaugh talked about today, 61% of all of his drives out of 230 in his career have gone for scores is remarkable. And I think it's 40 something percent of touchdowns, which is insane. Did, so, Jim, did Jim say that that one was on Ladarius or it was, on, I think he on, did. Yeah. He yeah. said, he said that after the game. So he yeah. said, okay, so uh, maybe there are two of them, but this is the area that concerns me, Skeen, and is this just something that they're going to have to live with here because these guys, they're going to be playing better competition. Indiana came in with like 12 or 17, 12, 13, 14 sacks or something like that and got four against Michigan. Well, so so that let's talk about that play specifically. Right. So you've got a defensive end outside shoulder of Ladarius, and you've got a, a an approaching, uh, I think it was a frontside linebacker, linebacker that side or safety. It doesn't matter who it is. Right. Someone's approaching that B gap between Ladarius and his guard there, Keegan. As a rule, when you've got protection that way, and you know Keegan's going away, and you don't have help that way, it's not slide left. You're on an island. If you think that that inside backer is coming, that immediate threat is coming, then Ladarius has to jump him, and then, and then in that case, Edwards would take the defensive end. You switch because right. the shortest path to the quarterback is through that B gap, not going the long way around in the C gap. So, guess what Michigan State's going to do? In those positions, yeah. <laughs> they're going to run sure. the same blitz and see if we can get our left side of this offensive line and back to hesitate for a moment and get pressure or a sack. Yeah. So when we talk early in the season about how these things need to be cleaned up, the reason they need to be cleaned up is for a few reasons. Number one, uh, you don't want your quarterback getting hit or pressured. Number two, this snowballs yeah. into other things that your opponents and your future opponents go, aha. We got something we can work with here. Let's. How do we disguise that in another way? How do we move? Maybe move that linebacker into an area that causes that tackle, left or right, to wonder whether he needs to jump him or not. Because if you take the left tackle as, as a left tackle, if I jump into a B gap and I didn't need to, now you've put pressure on Donovan Edwards to block a defensive end. Right. And we know how well that goes. Go back to Fitz Toussaint against Shalik Calhoun up at Michigan State. That was right. that did not go well. Al Borges. Right. Football malpractice. 
that was that was by design though so you have to be careful in there and you have to be very you have to be very clear and intentional about how you handle these blitz uh, packages yeah. and the gray area that they like to work in you watch college football ballast like i do all day long you see michigan play and many others defenses love to crowd the line of scrimmage and you don't know who's coming and who's not coming. That is designed to cause the offensive line and backfield to wonder who's really coming. So there's hesitancy as to where I'm going to put my feet when the ball is snapped to, to pass block. And then all of a sudden, half the guys bail and the other guy doesn't. It causes problems. And I would yeah. I would think we're going to see some more of that. I would think so, too. And uh, we'll see how they deal with it. Um, this Michigan State team is is not as athletic. I remember it used to run those A, a gap blitzes and uh, get home extremely quickly. Um, I think this interior with Drake Nugent and the two guards obviously is better equipped to deal with that. So we'll see what happens. But I do want to see those guys shore it up at tackle. I think they will have their full attention this week. There's no question about it. Carson Barnhart, I think, struggled on Saturday. Is that fair to say? Well, struggle. I, when when you say an offensive lineman struggled, that means to me he didn't grade out well throughout the course of the entire game. Right. But our standards are high, right? My right. standards are high because that's the way I was coached all those years ago. Sure. And I'm sure Sharon Moore has high standards mm -hmm. for his offensive line. When you're giving up four total sacks, regardless of who it was on, and you're giving up pressures and hits, and your quarterback has got guys, you know, piling them into the ground after a ball, that is not good. That right. needs to be cleaner. And certainly at the midway point of your season, your quarterback should be clean against Indiana. Right. So, yeah, yeah it, I don't know that I would say that Carson struggled. I would say that he's better than that. Yeah. We've yeah, seen him I, play better than that against better defenders. So he's got to play to who the player that he is because he's better than that. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about uh, Donovan Edwards here. And, and Blake Corum is running hard. He's running okay. Uh, you know, he's halfway to a, over halfway to a thousand yards this year, I believe it is. So, uh, but Donovan Edwards, 3.3 yards per carry is not looking like the between the tackles back um, that, and he really wasn't last year. It was kind of hit or miss. It was all or nothing with him. So what does it take to get him going? Do you put him in space a little bit more? Is it the offensive line? Because there are times it seemed to me down there at the goal line, he had a hole where he ran into the back of his, of his lineman when he sh should have cut, you know, one quick step and he's in the end zone. So you think he's yeah. pressing? I, I, st I still think he's pressing. I, st yeah. I don't think he has the vision that Corum has. We're just comparing the two. And at this point, Kalal Mullings has got better vision than Donovan at times when he gets yep. in the game. Um, I think that the the fixes and the answers to get Donovan Edwards going is, is lies with Donovan, is to run tougher, run harder, get those feet going so you don't go down with a with a one man arm tackle around the below the knee, and show a little more grit when you've got the football. Because I watch this closely, Ballas. We don't have an offensive line performance drop off when Donovan comes in the game. Right, they're blocking and they're running the same plays. They're not dramatically changing what they do offensively, running the football when they change backs. And so I see, I see Donovan has got to just get himself going here and, and be a little more effective and find the creases like the other backs are showing that they are with more consistency. Yeah. Uh, you know, the scary part, I think, to, to a degree is it looks like the body language on Edwards is not all that great at times. Uh, you know, I think we saw in the game where he waved off. He tried waving off Corum because he wanted to touch down. And, and yeah. just like uh, Clatt was saying on the television broadcast, bro, you had your chance. Yeah. And you didn't get in. Yep. So it's time for someone else to come in and do it. And that's part of the accountability with the perfect state of Michigan football in that if you don't do it, there's someone else who will and will get somebody in there that will. 
Meritocracy. <laughs> Meritocracy. Right? That's right, baby. So yeah. either you block and put your feet where they belong or you don't. And the backup comes in and you're no longer the starter. He's the starter. Yeah. And so you call it fear. You call it fear of loss. You can call it whatever you want. Meritocracy. You got to get the job done. So the, again, the frustrating part with Carson Barnhart of giving up sacks against guys that he shouldn't, the frustrating part with Donovan at this point is that he's better than what we've seen. We know he can be so much better, but he's not for some reason, and he's yeah. got to fix that. I agree 100%. And when people were talking, well, why why take him out? You know what? You need to give him, give him the touchdown and make him feel good. I'm like... This ain't intramurals, brother. Remember that Colorado coach many years ago? This ain't intramurals. You're you're up 14 to 7, and you've got one of the best short yardage goal line backs in, in the game and Blake Corum, who's been fantastic with those big legs of his, man. Little guy, but packs a punch. He's he's following those blockers, he's getting into the end zone all the time. Then you're gonna put him into the game. And that's exactly what Jim Harbaugh said. He said, I'm going to you know what, put my guy in there that uh, that I know is going to score for me. And this ain't about making people feel better. You know, this is, this is, you're trying to win a football game. So it is on Donovan. And I think that he bounced back from that. I can sense the frustration. You're right about the body language. It's obvious. So, but a hundred percent, he's going down too easily. He's going down on first contact way too often. And I'll tell you what, I like the Ben Hall kid. Uh, I don't know if you saw him in the fourth quarter there, but that true freshman's got some feet and yep. he's not going to be the, the swiftest guy, but, I was talking to people who talked to Mike Hart when uh, when Ben Hall had some nice gains in that fourth quarter. He said, I told you, man, this kid's going to be really good here. Well, it, it is encouraging and that the Michigan has depth at that at that position with Mullings all the way down to the other guys, the young guy yep. the hill that you just mentioned there. So that's that's awesome and great stuff. I, I'd like to go back to Edwards for a second. You know, you watch the games on television like I do and, and the camera's following Donovan down the sideline. And that's what I'm saying that, you know, the body language. There's a bunch of guys that are excited and, and and maybe his shoulders and his head's hanging a little bit low. The good news is, is that you got Mike Hart sitting there talking to him and right next to him is Blake Corum encouraging him. So he's surrounded by what appears to be super positive and encouraging people. And so again, this isn't anything that, uh, that is unfixable. Donovan, you just got to get going and, yep. grit, and no one's going to stop you because this is the way it works. When you just mentioned it, Ballas, there's other young guys coming up that are seeing things that are running hard, that are excited to get the ball, and they're not waving people off to because they want it, you know, a touchdown and causing the, the offense to call a timeout because no, you're not waving people off. <laughs> I'm surprised. Yeah. I'm surprised that Corum didn't you know, run on the field and go. No, you get off the field, right? Right. Well, so. you know what? They, those guys are friends, and I give him credit for that. But I also give credit to Mike Hart for not taking it. You know what? He's not kissing anybody's ass, and he was pissed. You could yeah. see that he was mad, and he's like, "You don't tell me. You don't wave me off. You know, when right. I tell you to get off the field, you get off the field." So, yeah. and and to Jim Harbaugh's credit too, you know, afterwards. But you know what? Uh, kids are going to get frustrated at times, and to his credit, he turned it right around back again, and he did get his touchdown. Uh, they still need to get him going, and I still like him as a receiver. Get him out in space a little bit. We saw what he could do on one pass where, you know what, uh, makes a guy miss and turns a seven-yard gain into a 15-yard gain. Yeah. So more of that. We'll see about that. Right, right now, Ballas, that's that's Donovan's greatest contribution 100%. to the team. Get him, in, get him into the second, third level and throw the football to him. He's outstanding at it. He's yeah. just he's really, really good. He's a mismatch. Yes. Yep. And I want to see more of that against Michigan State as well. Don't mess around. And if this is a game where you have to pound Blake Corum 25 times, then you do it. And when you get that lead, if you want to put uh, Donovan Edwards in there, then then, then put him in and, and see what happens. So otherwise, keep using him as a receiver. I want to talk about Colson Loveland, too. First, I want to talk about the, the tight end blocking again, because I'm watching Max Bredesen every Bredesen. play. 
Reticent had a couple helmet, helmet stickers, helmet oh sticker God. blocks. Alice. This guy has, has become a, a Chris Floyd type. I'm and not, I'm not going to put him up there yet, but he's Mark Mondros-esque, and now he's getting up there to the point where you're like, okay, you're surprised when he doesn't put somebody on his ass. Yeah, the short yarders and goal line, uh, Reticent was outstanding. Yeah. And, and downfield and some of the lead block situations, uh, just, just off the charts, really, really good. And uh, you mentioned it, I think, last week or the week before. And so I paid a little more attention watching him. And you just you couldn't help but notice in the live screen or, or in, the, in, the, in the replay from a different angle, 44 is getting it done in the blocking game. And that's outstanding to see. But so are the other guys, right? Loveland's coming along. And so, you know, it's, it's as a group, yeah, uh, it's required of this offense. Has yeah. to be. Because then that opens up the other things when they, you know, engage in a block and then release to go get into a, a passing situation. So, um, obviously, it's it's going really well for this group. I expect it to get better because we're going to need them. Yeah, and good on AJ Barner too, who had uh, he actually pancaked his roommate on a uh, right in front of the Michigan, his former Indiana roommate in front of the Michigan bench on special teams. He's playing at a very high level too. So uh, good on them. So um, I want to talk about the defense here. Um, you know, the adjustments that they made and and how tough is it? It's like I asked Jalen Harrell, Michigan's edge. I said, you don't know what's coming. They had a bye week. They have a new offensive coordinator. And he said, yeah, it's like a training camp game. Like you're coming in and they've changed everything they've done, you know, so it takes some adjusting. But the job that Jesse Minter does, usually it's halftime. They still, nobody still has scored on them in the third quarter is next level stuff. And it's why he's going to be an NFL defensive coordinator, at least here coming up. The adjustments they make and what they see on the field has been, it's next level. I mean, that's basically pretty much all you can say about it. Yeah, it you know I think as, as greedy fans and Michigan fans, we just would like them to make those adjustments faster because Indiana had a really nice drive, dinking right. and dunking, and then running the football down the field and had the long drive and turned into a, a, a turnover for us. Right, and they get down there tight. But uh, I'm watching this. I'm like, they're just executing, and so it's like, well, what when can we adjust? Let's adjust now. Why are we right. Why are we waiting? Um, but throughout the course of the season, Coach Minter and his staff, they've made these changes and they're really, really well coached and they just make these adjustments and all of a sudden, all adjustments and all of a sudden these passing lanes are not there. Maybe the pressure gets a little bit better in that quarterback, make him move around a little bit more and throw a bad pass or two and all of a sudden they're no longer a threat. And you know, before you know it, it's 52 to 7 and you look back at it and you go, man, why was my heart rate up in that first part of the game so much? It wasn't even close. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk about the Spartans here again. Uh, we've talked in the past about it's going to be a street fight, so on and so forth. And, you know, it's it's interesting. You read some of the stuff coming from the other side and, and they want so badly for for the hatred to be matched. Right. But I think the best thing to do in these situations, and we've gotten caught up in it, too, is like, OK, you treat it like another game. I understand you better put the chin strap on a little bit more. How much does your head have to be on a swivel a little bit more in these games, knowing that, you know, you've got to program over there that whose coaches in the past recent past have talked op openly about playing with 60 minutes of unnecessary roughness. Well, you know, I think coach Hanlon and uh, coach Schembechler and all the other staff that was around when I was there, they used to joke about, you need to take the chin strap off your helmet and tighten it up a little bit for this game. And I, I think it's the same today. And, and, and then what I would say about the Michigan team uh, coaches and staff talking about, well, you know, we're just going to treat this as any other game. No, they're not. Absolutely not. The difference is, though, we're not talking about it publicly. Mm -hmm. Behind the closed doors, which is the way it always used to be in, in this rivalry, 
is that we would we would keep things to ourselves behind those locker room doors and publicly we would be neutral. Maybe we didn't issue the same kind of respect to Michigan State that that uh, you know some of the other coaches and historically in college football say nice things about their rivals. But behind closed doors, we openly talked about how bad we wanted to beat them and mm-hmm. how bad we wanted to brutalize them, how many knockdowns I wanted to get, how many pancakes I wanted to get, and how badly we wanted to score them dramatically, outscore them dramatically, and just demoralize them, especially when we went up to East Lansing. I have no doubts that this Michigan football team is talking about those things because of what you said earlier, what happened last year in the tunnel, just the emotion that comes into this football game, and for those guys that were up there two years ago and got beat. And so – they're talking about it, Ballas. They're just not talking about it publicly, which I'm fine with. It's yes. the way it should be because yep. there's no reason to give those guys gasoline. You fuel your own tanks and you go up there and you park the tanks, right, Ballas? You park the tanks, you take care of business, you embarrass them in front of their own friends and family uh, because it's not a good feeling to be on the other end of that. And this Michigan team was two years ago when they flat out beat us. Yeah, about flat out, and they got a few breaks in, in there as well. Uh, yeah, and they we, did. Yep. So, uh, and replay. we won't say about the replay officials from two years ago. Yeah, right. I hope it's made the play. Let's let's uh, let's hope there's a different uh, different crew this time around. That was bizarre. Uh, I don't think I've ever, ever seen anything like that. And I don't think anybody else has either. But that's, but but, but Ballas, isn't that's it's all there's something bizarre every time. It seems like every time we play this rivalry game in their stadium, something yep. bizarre happens. Yes. And so it it's usually time to, is in their favor. Yeah. So it's time to to change that and and to take. Control. Sounds like there are going to be a lot of Michigan fans there skiing. They're, they're planning on taking over. Uh, I think one member of the media told me it sounds like people are trying to stripe out Spartan Stadium with maize and blue. That'd be pretty interesting if you had it in every uh, – but uh, they are selling tickets. There's no question. The only thing that I want to say in, uh, in terms of – of uh, some of the stuff that's been written is the idiotic notion that Jim Harbaugh sent his two kids up there last year to get pummeled and to provoke. Uh, and this was actually written by somebody and and is a narrative that Jim Harbaugh sent his guys up there to provoke Michigan State and get them to beat the crap out of them. Uh, can you respond to that, please? Is that listen, like one of the dumbest uh, things listen, you've ever heard? Yeah, it's one of the dumber things I've ever heard in my life. Um, <laughs> and I and I don't say that because it involves Jim Harbaugh. No, you you'd like to think that any football coach that's in charge of leading a hundred, hundred and fifteen young men would never think for a second, hey, let me take two of my young guys, send them into an active uh, area code where I know they're probably going to be hated and put their safety at risk. Right. In the era of safety and security for all these kids out there playing these sports and, and just are being culturally together. Yeah. Um, it, come on, this is ridiculous. It's, yeah. it's just, No one does that. We don't think in that way. And I'm not saying that young people don't make stupid decisions because I was one of them once upon a time, and I'm not perfect now. But uh, there's no one doing that. It's just, it's ridiculous to even write that stuff down. I think it's, it's you know, <coughs> excuse me, we have our, our maize and blue hat and sunglasses on ballast, and there's people that wear the green and white sunglasses. And sometimes you just need to take them off, take yes. a deep breath, and think for a second that, you know, we really want to win the football game. Uh, but it doesn't go beyond that. It's not personal for most of us. Most right. of us, right? And and you can't make it personal. And and you've got people out there who try to make it personal. 
and you get kind of sucked into that. And sometimes you have to respond. Um, otherwise, keep your mouth shut, right? Like you said, keep it behind closed doors and yeah. move on. But I can promise you, Jaden McBurrows and Jamon Green, they go up there all the time early to try to see their families before the end of the game. They weren't sent up there as bait to get <laughs> Michigan State players to beat the crap no. out of them. Okay, no. so that, that we've cleared that up. Uh, all right, your thoughts on how this game's going to go on Saturday because uh, I look at it and I've watched Michigan State play. They, they played harder than I expected them to play at Iowa, number one. I thought, especially after they get their NIL taken away from them, like literally a day before the game, they find out that their money's being pulled, and they had guys threatening supposedly to not get on the bus or on the plane. Wait a second, timeout. I missed yeah. that article, Ballas. I missed yeah. that. So Michigan State players are no longer getting their NIL stipend. A lot of them, a lot of them had it pulled by SD4L, Spartan Dogs for Life, or something like that. One of their collectives said, "We aren't doing this anymore," with the exception of maybe a handful of players, as they report. So um, there's that. It's out there. Uh, well, that's a well, it. that's a, that's a wonderful free market lesson for the young guys at Michigan State that if you're not winning and you're not performing, you're not going to get paid. And yeah. that's the way it works in the real world. So it's unfortunately for these guys, but out in the real world, this is kind of how it works. Yeah, I should guess. But you know what? It's like saying, here's your salary and then taking it away. Uh, you know, if you're if you're still under, under contract, which essentially is what a scholarship is, you know, it's not like these guys aren't aren't trying. And but I give the them scholars, the scholarship's not the same as the NIL payment, Ballas. They're no, still no. on scholarship. They're still right. I, no, I get it. I get it. But when you're promised something, I, I'd be pissed <laughs> off, too. And to their credit, they went out and they played Iowa toe to toe much stronger than I thought they would in terms of the trenches. Right. Um, Rutgers, that was a, a comedy of errors. In the first half, it was Rutgers looking like ass. In the second half, it was Michigan State, and then it kind of evened out. And at the end, Rutgers pounded him. I think the yardage in the fourth quarter was 180 to minus 20. So coming into that, you know, if Michigan State had held on in that game, I'm thinking, okay, you know, maybe they come out. But I think it's something where if you get up early on this team, that might break their will this year. It'll all be about the first quarter, right? Okay. If Michigan comes out, executes, hangs 14 points, 10, 12 17 points in the first first quarter of this football game and Michigan State struggles to get first downs and maybe they only get a you know a, a, a field goal if we're up by two possessions after the first quarter look out and certainly you just this is what you do as a superior opponent you know your football team on paper is better you go and you execute you take the game and full control in the first quarter and take over and you suck the life out of your opponent. That's what Michigan needs to do, and I would expect that this is what they're going to do. If I was I was thinking about this last game against Indiana, if I'm Jim Harbaugh, that first quarter and that sluggish start, what a perfect motivator for my following week against one of my biggest rivals yeah. is to kind of come down. It, it, it reminded me in when, when back years ago when we were at Michigan, and it was the week before a rivalry week. If we didn't play outstanding, even if we did play well, it felt like we lost, right? Mm -hmm. It felt like because practice week was so difficult and so challenging. But by the time you got to Saturday against Michigan State or Ohio State or whoever it was, boy, you were ready to go because you had no choice. Otherwise, you were worried if you were going to keep your starting role because you felt like you said you played so poorly the week before. Somewhere, somehow, this coaching staff was going to use that Indiana performance to parlay into a better start for Saturday against Michigan State. I think Michigan should handle this football team. They should on paper. They should emotionally. And they, I think they will. Yeah, I do too. And I won't get your score. We'll save that for staff picks, which you can all look for on Thursday at the Wolverine.com. You may have damn well won again this week. Uh, with I was close. Indiana. 
You were really really close. close. (laughs) You were. And it looked like uh, you might finish last initially, but they turned it up and that's what they do. JJ McCarthy and company. So um, hopefully they get off to a better start against Michigan state. Hopefully they keep their heads on swivel. There are going to be some cheap shots out there. There usually always are. We saw them, man, that year that Denard Robinson was getting his helmet twisted and everything. And uh, you got to be careful out there. Uh, There's no question about it. It is one of those games. Emotion will get away from both sides at some point. Usually the team that controls them and translates into football execution usually does much better in the penalty column. And let's just hope it stays clean and no one commits a crime on the field, off the field, and relating to either one of these teams, as Lloyd Carr famously said after the uh, the one-second Spartan Bob game, the game deserves better. Yeah, it sure does, uh, which is why Spartan Bob is no longer in the clock booth. So, all right, Skeen, I appreciate it. We will talk to you soon, and uh, and have a great week. You too. Go Blue. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.